Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. God made me punch in accurate numbers. My castle won't crumble. What I tackle will fumble. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening the cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my steps. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda. Triangle, look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels. Yeah. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast I am your host, Chase Mr. King And I'm excited, man, the preseason is over The preseason is over, so y'all know what that means That means that it's time for the real deal That means the season is here We got a week off, technically, kind of like a like a little buy for everybody to get their bodies right to get to get ready for week one. And then the Buffalo Bills, our Buffalo Bills travel out to New Jersey, out to the New York region to take on the New York football Jets, man. And I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to, to finally, you know, get back to football, get back to the season, uh, get back to hanging with a lot of you. I miss I miss the crew. I miss uh, Bills Mafia. I miss tailgating. I miss uh, just just everything. So. I'm excited to get into everything. I'm excited for the the following week against the Raiders uh, in Buffalo. We got the beer release coming up. I'll I'll play the ad for that in a bit. Um, It's just so much stuff to talk about. But I'm not going to talk a lot because I got a special guest. I got Nate Geary Geary from WGR joining me, and we're going to do some talking about uh, just, you know, everybody is talking about, obviously, the cut downs. Everybody knows what happened. Okay, we we know who made the team. We know who was going to make it. We know who didn't. But I feel like everybody's talking about that. So I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm in the mood. I'm ready to look forward to the season. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about, um, you know, just in general for the season. How is it going to look for Sean McDermott calling plays or is he going to call plays? This last game, he didn't call the plays. And I feel like they looked a little bit better, at least to me. Um, the game prior to that, he called plays. Everything was just Everything was it looked like a disaster, uh, nothing but penalties and all this other stuff. And I, I don't know. I'm sure some some guys on the team will will say that, you know, well, we just ready for the season. So we didn't go into that game as prepared as we probably should have as focused because we're looking forward to the season. But I don't know if I, I believe that players will talk like that. At least the players I know, every time they step on the field, they want to win. They're competitive. They just weren't they weren't together. Something whether it was from the top to the bottom, I don't know where it was that game, but it's over. Obviously, preseason's over. The record is zero zero, so it doesn't matter. But you know, when you look at that game, it's like, yo, this was bad. <laughs> this was very, very bad. And then the game that he didn't call plays and he decided to be a head coach only, the team looked a whole lot better. 
especially our starters. The offense, oh, my God, the offense looks smooth. Defense, those first two drives, three and outs. Who knows? So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about Kincaid's role and what we really think it will be in the offense and some other stuff. Um, ah, I'm just so excited for football. I'm so excited for football. So I got a couple announcements, and then we'll get right into it. Let's go. Bills Mafia is back. Are you ready for it? The third annual Buffalo Rumblings IPA beer release party is going down September 16th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Resurgence Brewing Company located downtown at 55 Chicago Street. I'm going to tell you what, you do not want to miss this event. Come out and hang with Joe, Sarah, and the rest of the Buffalo Rumblings crew for the Megapod. You're going to want to bring your questions and be a part of the live stream. Get involved. It's going to be live. And this year, we're also going to have our friends from Fans of Buffalo joining the party and sponsoring the fun. They're going to be in the house to provide you with all the information you need to make your away game day experience the easiest and the most smooth that you've ever had in your life. I can promise you, they, they do their job very well. So make sure you make it out Saturday, September 16th, 6 p.m., Resurgence Brewing Company, 55 Chicago Street. Go Bills! And I tell you, this is going to be one of those events that you don't want to miss for a couple of reasons. Um, so, so first, obviously, we want to encourage everybody to come because we want everybody there. But the last two years have been phenomenal. Last year was basically almost standing room only. The, the bar was packed. It was a great time. This year, we're going to have Kate. Everybody loves Kate. You know, everybody um, supports her her business and all the, the great clothing that she makes she's going to be doing she's going to have a pop-up there she's so she's going to be selling a lot of her merchandise uh fans of buffalo will be there to present a lot of packages to everybody so if you you know want to go to any of these away games they even got the london trip they got everything so if you're trying to travel and you're trying to figure out how to do it they're going to help you figure it out you want to be there and i might have a very special guest surprising you if you show up you might be around somebody that you know, I'm just saying, you might meet her, get an autograph, you know, might want to bring, you know, bring a jersey or something from certain players from the 90s. I'm just saying, you might want to do that. But whatever. Uh, let's get right into it. I'm um bring my man, Nate Gary, in and, and let's get to it. Hey, football fans, the season is here. So, you know, that means family, football and food. But for the NFL's best fan base, it can't be just any food. Bill's Mafia only eats the best during the season. And the best is Picasso's Pizza. With four great locations in Western New York, it's so easy to treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited. I have everybody's favorite person from WGR joining me. One of my favorite people, man. He he's I don't know if I should say former or just because fam, you know, I'm like I'm like Vin Diesel here. Family is family. And you you're a former member of Buffalo Rumblers, but you quit us over the summer, I guess. What's up, man? I got Nate Geary with us. How you doing, my friend? It's uh it's been a long time. It's been a great little summer away. I'm Excited yeah. about the season starting, you know, it's uh football's back. That's it's like it's like better than Christmas, except it's Christmas every Sunday, you know. Man, you've been living your best life. Every time I, I open my phone up and jump on well, X now, not Twitter. Every time I jump <laughs> on there and I, I look at you know anything that has to do with Nate Geary, you're either at a concert or you and your buddies are out playing golf, or you're like, I mean, really, you're just out living your life, and I love that for you, man. You work so hard. I'm happy you got some time to, to enjoy the summer. 
I certainly did. The weather's been great. Um, yeah, I've been golfing a lot. Just got back from New York, went to go see a great concert. Yeah, I did. I had a great summer. I haven't had a summer where I just kind of frigged off since like, um, shoot, you know, like 10th grade, 11th grade, you know, it's either been football and preparing to play football and then immediately, you know, going in and going, being an adult and then taking, working a GR and doing every, you know, I just have always one way or another, I've always kind of always had something going on. So I was really excited to kind of take a, take a summer and golf a bunch, wake up when I want to wake up on the weekend is, you know, it's fantastic. But as I said, it's got to get back to business because we got some, um, we got some games coming up. I'm glad you said though, uh, about Twitter slash X. It was funny. I was going to actually ask you, uh, off air. I was going to ask you, but we didn't really catch up. I'm sure we will after, but I'm just, have, have you, you call it X or is it just, it's still no, Twitter, still, right? It's just, yeah, it just comes out as Twitter. But like I texted I you, I was like, "Hey, can you send me the link to Twitter?" And I was gonna be like, "Oh, yeah. my bad, like X." But if I said X, he'd be like, "What? Are you like, talking what? About? Yeah." <laughs> and then you know what I hate? So like, for instance, like say if I'm having a conversation, and then like I get an email, and I like, "Oh, I got to screenshot this and send this to whoever." And you know how like your iPhone shows in the corner, like the the last app you were on or whatever. Yeah. So you got like a little X in the corner. It's like I'm not watching porn when I'm. You know, it, it's just I it haven't just even updated bad. my app, so it's still still the bird. See, yeah, I, I I wish I wouldn't have. I should have, you know, figured out how to just relax on that. But nevertheless, you know, Elon's ruining the app and uh, we're still here <laughs> anyway. But hey, man, so the preseason's over. Ben, Brennan Bean and Sean McDermott have finally, so they've made all the tough decisions that we've been arguing about over the last, you know, however many weeks. Let's just look ahead to it, man. How are you, how are you feeling going into the season just overall with, with the team essentially i feel like the team is going in to this year with pretty much the same roster minus obviously the tremaine Edmonds and you know and then they slightly upgraded the isaiah mckenzie's and so on so how do you feel about this this roster this year headed into this season with this schedule you know it's funny because the burden of expectation um has very clearly left the station the expectation uh, the national narrative has switched. And listen, I think in large part, this is just the cycle of things, right? And I think for Bills fans, the cycle had skipped over Bills fans for so long in the Bills. Like eventually you're just like, okay, bad teams get lucky once in a while and they'll eventually be good. But it hasn't really been since, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean get here. And then obviously we, Josh Allen turns into who he turns into, but then we're sort of brought back into this same realm of, of our fear bunker after 13 seconds. And then the way that last year ended and all of the seeming outside sources, but this team was the darling last year because large in part, yes, they had Josh Allen, but the way that they looked against the Kansas city chiefs. And, you know, I think the conversation switched this year based on the last game that they played this year, which was against the Cincinnati Bengals, which was mm -hmm. a very different vibe from the end of that Kansas city game where you're thinking, okay, Buffalo's right there. Buffalo is a team um, that should have won that game, did not win that game. And they were going to host the AFC championship game. And holy cow, this team is, you know, all of these things. And man, Allen's better than Mahomes, even though Mahomes just went to another suit. You know, it's just like all this, um, this talk that just like, it's hard as a Bills fan not to get, you know, your head exploded with, with confidence and ego. And it's the first time your team's been talked about. And then, you know, just like that, um, it's crazy how things change, but it's the media cycle, right? It's the, uh, 15 minutes of fame is a real thing, man. You know, you get mm -hmm. it until, and, and just like the NFL is a, what have you done for me lately league? 
um, the way that the media, uh, the national media portrays you a lot has to do with, you know, what have you done for me lately? And lately the bills were surrounded with drama and Stefan Diggs and, um, you know, the way that they lost and always oh, Josh distracted and the breakup and the Haley Stein, like, you know, just all these things that seem to be getting away from the focus that, yeah, this is for the most part, the same roster now, albeit a year older, but in a couple of positions, I would say they're deeper. They're still, you know, at, at other positions, they may have gotten deeper at, they may have taken a step back in depth. You know, I, I think middle linebacker is obviously talked about and has been talked about ad nauseum. For the last what? I mean, since the day that Tremaine had been signed his $18 million a year contract to be in Chicago. So, yeah, like I, I look at this and I say it's hard for me as someone who covers the team or has covered the team or follows the team or even if you're just a fan to say I don't get why they're being viewed so differently than they were last year. But you can make the case that they're maybe deeper and better at the wide receiver position. Who knows? But like Dalton Kincaid looks really good. Looks like a home run pick and we'll see how good he ends up being and what the offense and how that changes. Like James Cook looks like he's got way more juice than they were going to have with just Devin Singletary and him last year. And he looks like mm -hmm. he's taken a step And man. Maybe the offensive line and the interior has gotten better. And yeah, you know, there's still some issues that exist at the tackle position, but I think all in all, it's like, I like what they've done with depth pieces. Taylor Rapp's an interesting piece. Saran Neal had a great, great training camp, and I'm excited to see what he looks like um, maybe in a new role under Sean McDermott's defense. And that whole thing, the Sean McDermott defense and how it might be different than what we've seen from Leslie Frazier. And then, you know, when's Von Miller going to be back? And I think a lot of people's anxiety about the team, you might say, well, a lot of it's because Von Miller, you don't, it's, it's the don't know. And we know what Trey White looked like coming back. He just wasn't the same guy last year. Mm -hmm. It took him a while to come back. But I do think the one maybe advantage that Von Miller has is he has torn his ACL before he's gone through the mental aspect of having to come back from that injury. And I also think they're not going to a nice insurance policy in Leonard Floyd never hurts. Um, so I, like, you know, if he ends up on the PUP list, which I think he will, um, the bills are in a better position than they were last year at overcoming that um, at least for the interim. So with all of that said, um, how I feel about this roster is largely the same as it was last year, except I'll say this. The vibes don't feel great. Now, I'm not saying they don't that they feel bad. I'm just telling you that part of it's the outside noise. Part of it's the Stefan Diggs stuff. Part of it's feeling like you don't have a lot of answers sometimes from this coaching staff and from the organization about, you know, talking about what happened in that Cincinnati game and what was this Leslie Frazier situation that played out because it seems like it's kind of, you know, nod, nod, wink, wink, you know, he retired or whatever. But it, it, I guess what I'm saying is, the vibes aren't all jolly and happy. We're a year extended from feeling like this team is in a window to win a Super Bowl and they have yet to make it there. Losing at home in the playoffs hurts. So yeah, there's just a lot of, it feels like maybe wounds that haven't fully healed yet. And maybe all of that's healed by the time week one comes and they go out there and they win at Monday Night Football and boom, you're just, you're right back to where you were, say like, I don't know, after the Chiefs game week five last year. Think about the mm -hmm. vibes that everyone was feeling then, you know? So I, a lot can change when games start to get played and narratives start to change and the 15 minutes maybe gets focused back on the Bills. But I would tell you that as good as I feel that they still are, um, it definitely does not feel the same. And I, I, it's hard for me to explain it. It just does not feel the same. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... 
That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. And you in what you were saying, you actually mentioned Kincaid. And I, I wanted to kind of I wanted to focus on him for a second too, because so I think a lot of Bills fans were at first, I think where you hit it on the head is like, look, the la- last year this time, the last time we saw the Buffalo Bills, they went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and that high-powered offense. And okay, we lost, but they went toe-to-toe. This last time they got beat down at home. So you're right. So now it's like, look. To some of us, because I was one of those people until I actually got a chance to lay my eyes live on Kincaid. I didn't think that the Buffalo Bills did enough offensively to add weapons for Josh Allen to take another step forward this year with this team. But now I think differently. How are you feeling about Kincaid after what we've seen now from him, uh, you know, in the preseason, from training camp and just from everything in general that you know about him? Um, how are you feeling about him and his role? What is it really going to be? Is it is it really going to be, you know, like the new improved version of, you know, I'm hearing all this stuff like, well, he's the slot dude. Now he's Beasley as a tight end. And I'm, then I'm hearing, you know, he's Kelsey 2.0, all these different things. How, how do you feel about Kincaid? Yeah, I, I think I was in your camp. I, I didn't really love the pick um, personally at the time. And, you know, I'm, it, it, I guess it was hard to understand how a tight end with the situation that they had already investing all this money in the offseason at Dawson Knox. But, you know, I think part of my being open to it working was saying, okay, well, let's see what the, what the plan is. Let's, let's really kind of diagnose what the plan is before you poke holes in a, in a, in a guy that I do believe was the best tight end in the draft. I think is a unique weapon um, as someone that loved Michael Mayer. Like, you know, I'm a big Notre Dame guy. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, it was hard for me to admit that Dalton Kincaid is kind of the, the more dynamic higher ceiling piece, um, you know, being such a big fan of Mayer's, but it was obvious um, when you, when you watched Dalton Kincaid in college that um, he was the best, you know, one of the best pass catchers in the draft. And I think, if tight end was viewed a little differently, maybe he had a chance of being the first pass catcher taken um, in this draft. But I, I think what I've seen of the plan, which is going to be very, I would say we've seen about 5% of the plan. And I think the little sneak peek of what we've seen bodes really well for what it could look like if it can be maximized. And I think part of this is a conversation about Ken Dorsey. Part of this is a conversation about Josh Allen. And I think part of a conversation about Sean McDermott, because I think for Dalton Kincaid to work and to elevate this offense, all of those pieces that I just mentioned, you know, the, the, the Allen and the, um, you know, the Ken Dorsey and the Sean McDermott aspect, they have to be working um, sort of in lockstep to maximize a rookie tight end because not a lot of teams in NFL history have been able to do that, even if they are very excited 
um, about this piece. So I, I, I think that I'm excited about the possibilities um, and I'm excited how it potentially changes the offense and what the um, leaning in of 12 personnel really looks like. I think I'm, I'm really excited for that. So um, yeah, I think change is good. Right. And, you know, talking about in just a few minutes ago about feeling like, you know, the vibe's not the same. Um, I, I do believe that change in a lot of things can be good. And I think changing the way that this offense approaches how they want to go down the field, I think is interesting because the last two years, really, let's just aim it back to last year after the Pittsburgh game. I, I always kind of talk about that Steelers game as being a turning point in their confidence, meaning I think they, they felt like they were getting into a groove and that they could beat teams down the field. Yes lower percentage, but the big play potentials there. And I think they started to really almost get bored with the fundamental stuff, the keeping drives alive, the getting a six yard gain on first down and not taking the pot shot down the field against cover two uh, when you get the look, you know? So like part of this is bringing your barometer down from, Hey, we're going to try to score a hundred points and throw the football down the field and go ahead. We might throw interceptions, but like, we're going to score points to let's be a more sustainable beast. I see more integration of the screen game, how they're going to use. And, and everybody wants to talk about Dalton Kincaid and I get it. And, and I, I you know, I, I always, I, I've wondered maybe aloud to people and the friends just thinking like, you know, I do wonder how Dawson Knox feels about this whole situation because he has not really had much spotlight on him since it's all been about his teammate in his position room, getting all of the attention. When I do think that Dalton Kincaid being in this offense really opens things up to use Dawson Knox in a maybe more efficient way and efficient manner that they were last year, instead of seeing the teams, the defense's best interior pass, you know, defender, whether that's a linebacker or a nickel corner, the decision is going to have to be made on who you are putting on on Dalton Kincaid. And I think that that could create really good matchups inside for Dawson Knox. But in, in terms of how they could attack and what makes Kincaid so interesting is the vertical element to his game that I, I maybe underrated a little bit um, only because he did a lot for that Utah offense and not, it wasn't always down the field, but this is a different animal. This is a different quarterback. And, and I think as much as everybody wants to talk about him being the next Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley is not going to be able to get to the areas of the field vertically that Dalton Kincaid can. So I think that's what the most interesting part about him is, is what it looks like to expand the vertical game of this offense, but also be able to bring it back down to a more sustainable place where you can get meaningful plays on first down and not get yourself in third and eight, third and nine situations. Again, even though this is the, one of the most efficient third down offenses in football, making it easy for your, easier for yourself and taking layups, which is you know just the most beat mm -hmm. to death term in the world. Um, when you can make those things a reality, then I think you really have got something. And that's why I think I'm most excited about what you know kind of Kincaid looks like. Well, I'm excited about that. Just in everything you just said, like I can't, I, I really can't even debate that if I wanted to try because last season, early in the year, and this was, I would say prior to Josh hurting his elbow, we saw him taking with the defense, like just, Hey, we're going to take it. We're not going to force stuff. And you know, the LA game is a, is a good example of that where Stefan Diggs, I think had 13 or 14 receptions where most of them were within 10 yards and he may have turned them into something more, but you know, he had the one bomb where he, he completely just, he beat Ramsey, but 
if we can get back to an offense like that where you have a Diggs plus a Kincaid type athlete, and then if we can see Dawson Knox look like what he did towards that second half of the season and in the playoffs, I think, man, then to me, then that opens up the offense for real for what we want to see from our wide receiver too. I know a lot of people have beat up on, I'm one of them and, and I'm trying to do better now by, by saying that his arrow is pointing up and I think he's going to have a big year, but Gabe Davis has to, he, even in this last preseason game and he has to fix the drops. He has to really, I don't know if he's just not on the same page as Josh. I don't know if it's just the fact that most of his receptions are down the field, but at some point, man, as a wide receiver too, we really have to have an honest conversation about the amount of drops that Gabe Davis has in this offense. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, and, and I, I found myself in this sort of category too about Gabe, right? Because I think in, in two ways you could look at him as very inefficient, uh, a boomer bust candidate. And I think he, his game really represents who the offense was and what the identity was last year. When Gabe was on, I believe this offense was on. Um, and that's not to say that he's the catalyst or more important than Stefan Diggs, but when you have Gabriel Davis playing his best, you have a legitimate wide receiver two weapon. And in this offense, when you've gotten that consistency, when you've gotten that weapon, look where they've been able to go. And, and when they had you know, a healthy Beasley, a healthy Gabriel Davis in year two and year three, right? Well, year two. Um, and then Stefan Diggs, what you had was a really, really perfect mesh of, you know, short, intermediate and deep in all the things that Beasley was able to do to keep Stefan Diggs available and more one-on-one -on -one coverage because you can't just single cover Beasley in the slot. And then the same thing that would happen on the deep routes that Gabriel Davis, the deep part of the field that he's patrolling, like you have these, these three phases of the offensive passing game all working and clicking together so well. And then it culminates to him being able to get three or four touchdowns or whatever he had 200 yards in the, in the divisional game. And, you know, I think for me, like I keep thinking about how much Dawson Knox is going to benefit from Dalton Kincaid. But I also think that this can really benefit Gabriel Davis and give him better um, opportunities and have a more meshed offense and more, I don't know, consistency with how they want to beat defenses and not be so reactionary, but be a little bit more proactive in how they, um, you know, utilize their weapons. And this is all to talk about, you know, that I really like Trent Sherfield and I really like Deontay Hardy. I think they're really good depth pieces. And I'm most interested because it looks like they're going to use Deontay Hardy the way that a lot of us wanted them to use Isaiah McKenzie and have sort of been begging for them. So and this guy's just a little twitchier. He's a little quicker and he's got a little bit more breakaway speed. And I'm Mm -hmm. I'm excited about him too, but yeah, I mean, if this offense has a consistent wide receiver two plus a, a Dalton Kincaid plus a, a rare athlete like Deontay Hardy, um, yeah, I, I would say that their their weapon arsenal probably won't be talked about until all of those pieces work together. But it would be hard to say that they don't have one of the better, deeper uh, skill position groups in the league, but it's got to be shown and it's got to happen. Um, I think early and often for the conversation to start moving that way. But I think it can be if Josh Allen is focused and the player that we saw him be at the end of 2021 um, and the start of 2022. Well, I'm hoping so. I want to see the guy, obviously it's not, he's not going to play on that level of uh, the playoff game against the chiefs every game. I get that, but you know, I'm really hoping. And, and actually the other day during the, the playoff game, I actually tweeted or 
X'd out. I, I don't know. This is stupid. I, I tweeted out, um, you know, we hear how Stefan Diggs, you know, builds confidence and speaks confidence into Gabriel Davis. And he says, you know, his ceiling is wide receiver one. We hear how Josh Allen talks about him. He says, you know, oh, he's wide receiver one B. We don't have a wide receiver two. You know, like, so you've heard Josh with those quotes and you hear, but I've, I'm yet, I've yet to hear other wide receivers or other cornerbacks really discuss Gabriel Davis. And, and that's something that I'm, I'm waiting to kind of hear, you know, how obviously he hasn't made the top 100 list. So you wouldn't hear that. But even if you just hear guys talk about, well, Hey, who's such and such, who, who's your top five guys to cover or who in the AFC East or your, and you just Gabriel Davis just doesn't come up. And then you also talk about the, the class of, of the wide receiver twos around the league. And you talk about the, uh, you know, Jalen Waddles and you talk about the, you know, whoever you can name, you can name a few. He's never quite mentioned in that class with those receivers, but as a fan base, we have an expectation based on the way I feel like based on the way that the team has talked about Gabe and, and which they should hype your guy up. This is your guy, hype him up. But based on the way they've talked about them, we have this expectation for him to be, to produce like a Jalen Waddle. And so last season he had the the injured ankle, right? So, okay, let's, we'll give him that. Right. But, but even stiff, he hasn't performed up to a Jalen Waddle season level for me. And if we're going to keep talking him up to this level at some point, I would like to see that. And this is the year with with an extension coming. This is the year to see it. So I guess that, I don't know. um, That that was, I guess my point, or I guess my issue with him, but I, I do think he's good. I just, my issue is I think for a guy like Josh, why can't we do like why don't the Bills do what the Vikings did? Yeah, you got you got digs. Draft another guy, man. Get now Kincaid might be that guy. So I'll shut up the season, but I'm saying look, get a guy, man. Get a guy. I'm they're gonna have to next year, man. I mean, they I, I just don't think that there's gonna be the money out there for for Gabriel Davis um to be here long term. And you know, it's okay. I, I think that's the reality of the situation. I think they're going to probably have to next year, either the first or second round, but they're going to have to start to look to replace him long-term. Um, they got Deontay Hardy under, under contract, but um, yeah, man, it's, I, it is a big season for Dalton Gade, but it's a big season for Gabe Davis. He can make a lot of money if he becomes the yeah. player that he looked like he could be at the end of 2021. And Hey, force the bill's hand. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, you're just saying like, you know what? He might be gone. I don't know if he can stick around long term. Be so good that the Buffalo Bills have to make a tough decision elsewhere. Yeah. Like be that good. That's the man. If if you give Josh that for one season, man, like that type of performance where it'll make the team decide, a, a, man, we can't keep somebody who you wouldn't have thought you would ever get rid of that. That's how good I need this guy to be. Um, One, one, two more questions. Then we'll get on out of here, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Of course, for us, bro. man. Um, so now this last preseason game, Sean McDermott didn't call the defensive plays. Thoughts on that? Because that's all we've talked about all offseason is how, you know, not with Leslie Frazier gone, Sean McDermott's, you know, his responsibilities are going to have to be stretched differently and he's going to do this. And, and now this last game, it looks like, and it's preseason. So of course it doesn't really quite, it doesn't matter, but. I feel like the defense looked better this third game versus the second game when he did call the plays. So going into the year, what's your preference for you? Do you want him, do you want McDermott to call the plays or do you want him to delegate this uh, to, I don't even know who he would delegate it to really, but uh, do you want delegation for that? So I found it really interesting that in the first instance that he felt the team wasn't focused enough 
a lot of mistakes, 13, 12, 13 penalties, whatever ended up being in that game. The offense looks bad. The defense looks bad. They're giving up big plays. They're missing tackles. This lack of what you would expect a Bills team, this Bills team to show up with, uh, a, a level of intensity, but I think focus. And the very next week, he decides that I need to oversee everything. I need to see everything big picture as the head coach. <laughs> and it, we didn't even get into week one yet. I find that super, super interesting. And now, again, it's preseason, and you are you can do that in the preseason because it's preseason. And if you want to go back to being the, the manager, then you go back to be the manager, and you don't have to go back to being the guy that's calling the plays defensively. But I, I just – I do find it really, really interesting that – it was like, man, pull in case of emergency, and boom, they the ripcord got pulled before week one. So um, I get the sense that it'll be more of a committee approach than 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 I'm sure Sean wanted it to be. Um, I think that's why you've got El Holcomb. You've got a guy that you you trust, you believe in, you you can you know expect him. I think to have a larger role in all of this than than maybe we all thought it would look like. But I still think mm -hmm. he's going to have Sean's going to have a big hand in you know play calls, but I think he's going to need Alcom to really be the defensive coach on the sidelines or in, on the phone and the headsets. Um, because I do think that, that from a head coach perspective, this is a big change for Sean. He's never done both. So um, I know that he had influence on what was called and, but I know that he trusted Leslie Frazier, but I, I, I do think that this is, uh, this is a big change for him. And um, I, I think maybe he looked at that and said, uh, they need my focus on, on a more global point than just on defense. And I think that's what most of our concerns were. So um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it, how it looks, but I do expect him to um, at least early on in the season really um, have a big impact and it. That may taper off towards the end. I do still feel like that situation is so odd to me. Uh, Leslie Frazier's taking time away from football and then he's on TV and he's, and it's, it's still just odd to me, man. Like, yeah. and, and I get it. The team puts out what they want to put out to control the narrative they want to control. But, you know, at some point, it's like, come on, man, you can't think we're that dumb, right? Like something is something is off. It just doesn't make sense. Something's amiss. Yeah. Um, especially a guy that's so respected. It just seems like, you know, both parties just so quiet. It's, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to even speculate on because it just you feel like yeah. you got no answers on it. It's it's. It's a weird situation, but I listen. I mean, I would argue that it was the right move. I, I think it was time for a change, um, based on how the end of the season. But I think it was it was a larger sample size than just the end of the season that that a lot of people were talking about with uh, with Leslie Frazier. But yeah, I, I mean, it just is a sort of puzzling, weird, um, weird way to end. I think a great era as a defensive coordinator, one of the Bills' more consistent defenses um, yeah. in his in his tenure here. I mean. There have been a lot of good defensive coordinators to roll through here. And, um, you know, he really might be the the beacon of consistency in terms of D coordinators. Yeah, top top defense pretty much almost every year. I think we he maybe had one bad year. And maybe bad is a tough – it's it's tough to, to call it. But in a lot of top fives, to though. Other, yeah, yeah in comparison to other teams. I would say, you know, it's a bad one bad year. Um, so, but, yeah. But, all right, we're moving on. And uh, and then let's get on out of here, man. But But – Let's be the first to crack at this thing, man, because it's going to happen. The floodgates are about to open now that the rosters are pretty much set. We're going to see all these guys get signed and traded for. Um, but what's your keys to victory uh, in, in a couple weeks here, man? The Bills are going to be traveling out to New Jersey. Um, and, look, I'm excited for the season. I think, I think out of every year, I'm always excited, obviously, for every opener. But this one, it feels magical. You know, you got you got Aaron Rodgers going to New York. You got it's, it's on 
you know, it's it's just everything. It just feels like it's a, it's a magical start to the season. I'm looking forward to it, man. Um, so going into this one, what, what's what's the things to avoid for the Bills or, or what, what do they have to do to win this one? Um, it's a big one. Everybody's eyes are going to be on this game because of Aaron Rodgers. So uh, how do we prevent being the the last mm. divisional champion to fall off week one? Like now we're not going to miss the playoffs now. Yeah, I think, first of all, it starts with protecting Josh Allen and getting after Aaron Rodgers, 39 years old. And I think getting pressure um, from the interior, I think Ed Oliver's got to have a big game. Um, I I think we also have to see Trey White be the Trey White that we've Mm -hmm. so been accustomed to seeing Um, because he's got to match what Sauce Gardner is going to do in this game. And and the Bills can't turn the football over. They can't. um, Josh Allen can't get reckless. They've got to come with a better plan that I think that they came with um, in that first matchup in New York last year. Um, because as you mentioned, New York's going to come with a level of intensity there. They want to show, um, that, you know, we're, we're the captain now. Like that's, that's, that's Mm -hmm. what the jets are going to expect and what they've been talking about. I'm sure in each and every single one of those meetings, I haven't watched any hard knocks. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is insufferable and I wasn't really interested in watching it, to be honest. Um, I'll tell you what, but you know, I will. No, but I tell you what, I was actually pleasantly. Me and Joe talked about it on Hump Day. It, it was like a completely different. Per- like he's lying, obviously. This is Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, like it's a completely different guy. Like he's he's like the best big brother, you know. He's he's like coaching up the younger guys, and he's joking, and he's it, it's it's phenomenal. Charismatic, it, it, yeah, yeah. He's like he's the greatest guy in the world. It's like it's yeah. You'll enjoy it when you do watch it, but I trust me, I feel the same way. Yeah. So it listen, it's um. It's it's an awesome opportunity, Monday Night Football, like you said, and everyone's going to be watching for Aaron Rodgers' first game as a New York Jet. Um, yeah, I, I, listen, I'm super excited. It's a great opportunity. I'm again. I, I think I need a game to get out. I need to see the first win so that I could kind of feel like there isn't something to this dark cloud that exists. But um, it's it's going to happen pretty quick, man. Thirteen days, fourteen days. I'm excited. Yeah, let's get it, man. Let's get it. Last one for you. And this is a quick one just because I know we're never we're always for some reason, the Buffalo Bills are always included in conversation when there's talk about a big running back being available, whether it's free agency, whether it's trade. This whole saga with Jonathan Taylor, uh, Ian Rappaport came out yesterday and said that there are several serious suitors. There are teams that are very interested and is more likely to be traded than not. And the Buffalo Bills name keeps popping up in this anything that you think is realistic to pay attention to, or do you feel like it's still just the same type of situation that it was with Dalvin cook and, you know, just every year it's the same conversation. No agents make more money for running backs when, you know, that it, it's the, it's the plan a is well, get the bill's name involved, uh, you know, as, as a, as a serious suitor for my client, because that just, I can't believe that it was Delvin Cook, and now I can't believe it's Jonathan Taylor. Before that, it was Leonard Fournette. Before that, it was you. Just like name all the running backs that become available, mm-hmm. and the Bills are um, in the top five teams of either odd, you know odds to land there or, or what have you. No, I, I think it's a terrible investment. Um, I get it. Like I, he's a very very good player. Uh, I think it's a terrible idea for the Miami Dolphins. I'm I'm rooting for the Dolphins to get Jonathan Taylor. I think it's a terrible terrible idea when they don't have Christian Wilkins locked up and they still got to pay Tua and court, even decent quarterbacks, middle of the road quarterbacks like Tua, he's going to make 190, $200 million. And then they got <laughs> Christian Wilkins and they got like all these things that they're going to have to pay. And they have no offensive line, by the way. So mm-hmm. um, 
I think signing Jonathan Taylor, trading at a, a premium asset, and then going out and paying him top of market, which the conversation is he's only getting traded somewhere that's going to also extend him in the teams that are making offers that intend to extend him. It's like these people don't learn. I get he's really good. You know who was really good? Todd Gurley. <laughs> you know who was really good two years ago? Almost the damn near Super Bowl MVP? Leonard Fournette. Two years ago. Yeah, that's a fact. James Robinson was he was if he wasn't rookie of the year, he was damn oh, close man. to it in Jacksonville. He just got cut. He's Again. on the street, bro. Dude. So listen, dude, man. His story the, is incredible. Incredible. His fall. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but it was oh no, it, it's incredible, man. I know. Incredible. I, but how many stories are like that at the running back position? It does not matter. You cannot, it's the one position you cannot. You could not commit future dollars to past performance because the window for that performance is so finite, is so small. Um, teams will continue to – I know he, he's young, but he is beat up. That's why – I mean, he got knee yeah. surgery last year, and he's got this and that got this. And, man, they, they break down so much quicker at that position than any other position. Derrick Henry, like Tom Brady – is doing things at ages at the running back position, at the quarterback position that make you think other players can do it. And he is a physical phenomenon. So, mm. um, yeah, I hope the Dolphins do it and give them $14 million a year uh, for however long they're going to do it. And sayonara. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. My guest, Nate Geary from WGR, joining me uh, just to, to get you ready for the season. Do you have anything that you want to uh, plug that you got coming up or anything? Uh, yeah, well, so uh, on the 16th, I believe it is, Saturday, um, right here downtown um, in the Main Street corridor um, between Leftern and uh, Fatty Beer Company right there at the corner of Main Street, right across from the M&T Bank building. Uh, we got a big street festival happening. Uh, me, Greg Tomset, and Aaron Quinn are to be hosted a live Cover One podcast over there. Um, there's going to be vendors all along Main Street. It is a tailgate. Get yourself ready for the tailgate season. You can go out and buy, you know, merch or tailgating gear. I know the Q42 guys are going to be there. Um, you know, you can get your your tailgate essentials. Come check out. Come talk to us. Uh, there's going to be beer and wine vendors, food vendors everywhere. Uh, it's going to be really, really, really awesome. Um, and that is the Saturday before the home opener against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And it's, again, kind of downtown. You can check out. I know Aaron's been tweeting about it. I've uh, asked about it. Um, so, uh, Do you know what time that starts? Uh, I, I, you know, I, off the top of my head, I don't. I think it's right. I think it's sometime in the afternoon. It's going to be like an all-day event. Um, but it's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm super excited. And um, – yeah, stick to my Twitter. I'll, I'll make sure I post a bunch of stuff about it. Okay. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll get that information. We'll get that out there and make sure you support our cover one guys, support that, that their family over there. Shout out to Greg. Shout out to my man AQ and Eric, everybody. The, everything that Eric and Sal is doing right now is just incredible. That yeah. show is incredible. If you haven't checked that out, ladies and gentlemen, check that out. But then also, so Saturday, go out, hang with them. And then I'll be, I'll be there once I find out the time and everything. So you can come and hang out with me too. And then at 6, and remember, this is another reminder, at 6 p.m., come and meet us at Resurgence for the beer release again from 6 to 9. The, the Megapod, and that one will have Joe Miller, Sarah, uh Jeremy Poyer is going to have Sterles, the whole crew. We're going to do the, the Megapod again. So you can go to the Cover One Megapod or, or, or 
pre I don't know what we're calling it, but all these these dope pods are happening this, on the same day. Come and participate, get involved, and uh, hey, come 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 in uh and debate Nate in person. So Nate, I appreciate <laughs> you, man. <laughs> I'm let you get on out of here, and uh, y'all know how we do it at Buffalo Rumblings. Y'all love each other, take care of each other, and live in peace. And as always, stay positive, test negative, go Bills. Code of conduct. <laughs>